Would you do me a favor? Would you jump up on your feet real quick and grab your Bibles? Can we just jump into the Word this morning for a moment? Hallelujah. While you're getting ready to turn there, go with me to Acts chapter 3. It's good to have Pastor David Mercer over here in service today. He's literally on vacation, but he popped in on service today. Pastor David, good to see you today. He's from Living Waters Fellowship there in Moorhaven. Come on, let's give him a great big God bless you today. All right. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, and this will be the, um, I haven't preached out of this in this particular series, but um, we've been in this series, Being Faithful in a Failing Culture. Been preaching out of it for the last five weeks or so, and, uh, but I haven't taken this portion of Scripture into this particular series. I believe there's miracles in this house today. I believe there's a breakthrough over people's lives today. I believe you're at the right place at the right time. I got three amens on that. I believe you're at the right place at the right time. I believe God wants to do something significant in your life today. Amen? So look with me in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. And it says, Now when Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was sitting, carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting, somebody shout, expecting, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand and and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright, and he began to walk, and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the gate beautiful, or the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And then, of course, there's a bigger war that takes place in chapter 4 there of Acts. Peter and John gets arrested, and I want to show you something out of verse 7 there. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we were on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be made known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. Somebody shout praise the Lord on that right there. So they they go on threatening them, and they keep working with them. But in verse number 29, this is where we're going to end it right here, verse number 29. And the Lord said, and, and now the Lord, and now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. It's the same word for boldness, that they may speak your word with boldness while you extend your hands to heal 
and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Verse number 33, and with great power, somebody shout great power. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. So we've been talking about how to be faithful in a failing culture, but I want to draw your attention back to chapter 3, verse number 8, and it says, and with a leap, he stood upright, and he began to walk, and he entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. I just put a subtitle on this this morning. I'm just going to title it, I'm about to get up. I'm about to get up. I need you to run to about three people and push on them really good and tell them, I'm about to get up in here. Come on, just tell them, I'm about to get up. Come on, find somebody who's stiff and stale and just push on them a little bit and say, you you need to get up right here. Come on, come on, put some faith into the atmospheres. Come on, somebody shout, get up. Get up, get up, get up. I'm about to get up. So let me pray for you. Father, this morning, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, you're the teacher. You're the revealer. You're the revelator of all truth. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in the hearts and lives of your people that have gathered in this building and those that are listen, listening, by the way, of social media or radio. Lord, we thank you today for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for doing what I can't do. Go where I can't go. Say what I don't know what to say. Move where I cannot move. Thank you today for what you're going to do in people's lives, and we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen Amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Let me take a few moments and just work a little bit of this out to get to where I think I need to be. It's uh, over the last couple years in particular, uh, as I began to just uh, take observation of what's going on, not only in our nation, but around the world, also what's going on in our city, in our county. And it's become apparent to me through my observation, and now it's become my conviction. It's become my reality that if we're not careful, many times our churches can be way too quiet. Uh, If we're not careful, if we're not careful with it, many times our churches can become way too passive, way too soft, and way too melancholy. And that's been my observation, and that's been my conviction over the last couple years. And I say this Because we find ourselves living in a generation, we're living in a culture that is literally being tormented and spiritually molested by all kinds of spirits, while at the same time, if we're not careful, our churches are remaining unmoved. While the enemy is is, is, uh, like picking up momentum and speed with his devices, his schemes, and his strategies, it seems like to me over the last couple of years, particularly in America, not so much as worldwide because I gave you a bunch of stats on what God is doing around the world, but particularly in America, while the enemy has ramped up his game, it's like the church is trying to be a little bit more softer with its game. And so rather than just being uh, uh, on the cutting edge and hearing what God is saying and doing and, be, and, and begin to move in that direction, I feel like if we're not careful, the church begins to digress. Uh, just like now, you're a little quiet on me right now. We, we, we begin to get a little bit more quiet. We begin to get a little more reserved. 
Well, I think, at the, I think in the day that we are living in, the last thing that we want to be is quiet. I think the last thing that we need to be is a little bit more reserved. I think what we ought to let the devil know, if we're going to get in a fight, you just need to know we're going to get in the fight and we plan on winning the fight that we're in. And so it's possible, it's possible to, uh, it's possible for a church to claim power. It's possible for a church to preach power. It's possible for a church to sing about power, even pray about power. But, but yet consistently, it's also possible to fail to exercise power. And I don't believe that God has brought us to such a time as this so that we would not exercise the power that's been invested in us into a failing culture. Many, many of our American uh, churches, uh, and just, just work with me now, I'm just laying a little bit of groundwork so I can get to where I'm going. So I'm just kind of picking on, I'm not really picking on you unless you possess it, I'm picking on a spirit. I'm after a spirit that's trying to regulate the movement of God in God's people. And so I'm just pushing on that a little bit and hopefully to stir it up a little bit. And so it's possible, if we're not careful, in in our American churches, that we become religious in form but not have no power. And this is the scripture I want us to look at. If you're taking notes, there will be multiple scriptures I'm going to show you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, guys in the back, if you'll help me out with that, it says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Well, let, me, let me begin. Let me, let me back it up. Go, let me start at the very, very beginning of verse number 2 or verse number 1. It says, but uh, go back again, guys, because I can't see that. Yeah, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Somebody shout difficult days. In the last days, difficult times or difficult days will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that ain't you today. (laughs) They'll be without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited. Anybody getting the point? Lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And look what happens. They hold to a form of godliness, although they had denied its power. And Paul warns Timothy that you got to stay away from these kind of folks. you got to stay away from these kind of folks because it's the people that begin to hold to a form of religion. They hold to a form of godliness, but they have no power. That word form is literally the word, they they, they appear to be something that they're not. They they, they have all the mechanics, but they don't have the power behind it. They they have a good presentation, but they don't show nothing. He 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 said, in those days, you're going to see all these things happening, and there's going to be this form of godliness. They have become academic in their thinking, knowing all kinds of verses, but they have never experienced or had an experience with the power. Let me say it to you this way. When there is no experience with the power, we become religious. And then what we end up doing, we start offering up excuses on why we can't change. Because if all you have is this form of godliness, 
that has no power. And I, don't, I believe there's power in the gospel. I believe there's power in that name. We just read about it. I believe there's a transformation power that can take place in the lives of God's people. So the most healthiest thing on the planet ought to be the church. When the world sees the church, it should not see a mirror of themselves. When the world looks at the church, there ought to be something different about the church. There ought to be a distinctiveness about the church that becomes attractive to the world because the church has something that the world don't have. And so there's got to be this distinctiveness about our walk. There has to be this distinctiveness about our behavior. There has to be this distinctiveness about our character, our integrity. Amen. So there ought to be this, 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 this visible demonstration of a transformation that is taking place in our lives. And I realize today that everybody is on a journey on some level. I don't believe everybody arrives overnight. We are working out our salvation daily. I got all that. I'm just talking about when there's willful disobedience to what the power can do for you. So, so, so when there is no progression forward, it's possible, what happens is, it's possible then, when, 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 when a religious spirit begins to grab people, just like they did the apostles, when they begin to grab the early apostles, the early church people, it begins to grab them and it begins to arrest them, and it stops them from any forward progress. And that's what's going on, in my opinion, right now, as I observe what's going on around the world and in the church, is that the spirit of, of a form of godliness has arrested the church. And it has stopped the forward movement of God in our lives. All right? So it's possible for people and it's possible for territories to be harassed and locked up in a prison or in a season or in a cycle with no forward movement. So there are people in church that are being harassed by generational curses. And it begins to prevent or it locks you down from any forward momentum or movement in your life. And I just want to say to you today, that's not for you. There's power in that name of Jesus Christ. It's a name that's above every other name. I don't believe you have to walk in bondage. I don't believe you have to live in sin. I don't believe you have to live depressed, oppressed, tormented, vexed. I don't believe you have to live that way. I don't believe you have to walk around sick. Come on, talk to me up in this Holy Ghost church. I believe there's power, and whenever we begin to exercise the power that we have available to us, we don't stay arrested in the progress of what God wants to do in our life. Because around us is a dying world. Rick just talked about how they offer hope and healing. What the world needs to see is something that the church possesses that they do not have. And when the church begins to walk up into territories and situations or into people's lives, we have the answer. We have the problem solver with us. Push on somebody and tell them I'm about to get up now. I'm about to get up. I'm going to preach in a minute. Just hang out with me. I'm about to get there. Just hang out with me. There there, there should be... Now, this is my opinion. Now, this may not be 100% agreement in the church. This is my opinion. There should be a difference between a funeral service and a church service. That's just my opinion. That's just the way I feel about it. 
I believe that whenever we gather, there ought to be some excitement and expectation in the air. I believe when we gather, it don't matter if our drummers can't be here today or not. We still came with a praise. It don't matter if the worship team ain't singing the song that I like. I didn't come here for you to sing my song. I came here to sing his song. And so I didn't come here to wait on you to make me feel better, make me feel good, to make me participate. I came up in here with my own praise because according to the Bible, I am a praise in the earth. So I didn't wake up trying to get to church to find a praise. I woke up because I am a praise. And when I put my foot on the ground, the devil said, oh, my God, they're awake again. You ought to be the devil's worst nightmare. You ought to come up in here with something on the inside of you believing that whenever you have arrived, demons and doctrines of devils have to be dispersed. Push on somebody and tell them, I'm about to get up now. I am about to get up. There has to be something in us that says, I didn't come to church to be still and to be quiet. Because whatever you are doing in church, you are doing in your home. Because if you can't get crazy for God in church, I promise you ain't getting crazy for God on your job. If you can't get comfortable with the Holy Ghost in the midst of a bunch of people that are for you, you won't be comfortable out there in a world that's against you. So whenever you come up in here, even if somebody on your road don't want to praise, you ought to aggravate them by just being a little bit louder. You ought to just say, excuse me, about, about, the next, about the next 30 minutes, we're going to get crazy on this road right here. We're just going to get a little, it's going to get loud, it's going to get radical, it might even get a little risky. Because that was the difference about the early church. That first century church was different than the world that they were against. Mm. When you read in the book of Acts, when you begin to read about those first century believers, when you begin to read about what these guys were doing and these ladies were doing, these people were radical. <laughs> these people were risky. These people were a little rowdy. They, they had something that when you got around them, it would get on you. It would begin to stir you up. These people were so radical in their demeanor. And I'm not saying they were weird. I'm not saying that they were just like, like crazy as in stupid. They were, just, they were just crazy about what they were after. They were crazy about what the power of God could do in their generation. They, they, they didn't have this form of religious appearance that had all the mechanics of good church life, but no power. I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't heal me. I wouldn't serve a God that couldn't save me. Oh, my Lord. So when you read in the book of Acts, this early church, they had something in them. Because when they pray, when they pray, things would shake. When we pray, we fall asleep. <laughs> oh, when we call a corporate prayer meeting, now I understand people working, if you're working, that ain't no big deal to me. Just work, do what you got to do. But please don't be sitting on your couch eating Doritos. Now, we're down here praying, trying to get some things shaken off your life. <laughs> Even when they would arrest them, and beat them 
The Bible says that they would rejoice because they were considered worthy to suffer for his name. They would walk into cities, regions, and territories, and they would stir up revivals, or they would stir up a good fight. It was either revivals or riots. They would walk into these places, and they would release healings, miracles, signs, and wonders, and the power gifts would begin to flow because it wasn't a form of godliness. It wasn't about just meditating on something with no power to it. They realized that they possessed something. When they stumbled out of that upper room in Acts chapter 2 and they began to speak in other tongues after the Holy Ghost had filled them, when they stumbled out of that upper room, they stumbled out with something on the inside of them that was different than what they had before then. And they would walk into cities and regions and territories and they would drive out demons. They would walk into territories and they would establish churches. They would walk into territories and they would do all these things and they didn't have a TV. They didn't have internet. They didn't have a radio program. They didn't have a smartphone. They didn't have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. They didn't even have a microphone. They didn't even have an email. Watch this. And they didn't even have government support. The government wasn't for them. The government was against them, and so was the religious establishment. But they went into these places anyway because they just had something on the inside of them that says, we refuse to stay down. We refuse to sit back, and we refuse to be quiet. I wish we could just get a a glimpse of that one more time in America where the church in America would begin to rise up right here in Henry County, right here in the Glades region. We can plant churches. We can raise up believers. We can come against the powers of hell. We can see the miracle working power of God touch people's lives. Families can be restored. Children can come come back home we just believe that the power that we preach the gospel that we know has the ability to transform every life under its shadow push on somebody and tell them you got to get up now you got to get up I get so amazed because I work with a network of churches and everything I get so amazed that in church well you know the government this and the government has nothing to do with the advancement of the gospel The gospel has always been hindered by governments. If you don't believe me, take a trip with me anywhere in any other nation of the world where the gospel is forbidden, where you can be beheaded for preaching the gospel. The fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Islamic rule Iran. China sees 30,000 people a day being born again where no church can be established in the open. It's just a little bad weather. I don't feel like going today. (laughs) That's that's the American mentality. Well, I got this to do. I got that to do. Everything becomes more important than the saving power of what God wants to do in this generation. The world is in the shape that it's in, especially our nation. It's because the church has been sitting way too still and we've been way too quiet. But I came to let the world know we're about to push back on this thing. We're about to get up. We're about to get up. The church is about to rise up with some power. The church is about to rise up with some authority and the anointing.
See, when you have people that are in a territory and they have been there for so long with no forward progress, it's what I call arrested development. It's arrested development. Sometimes people are arrested in their development because they lose heart. Sometimes they get arrested in their development because they get offended. They get bitter. They get jealous. Or they walk around with unforgiveness in their life. Do you know that the the, the level of your forgiveness determines the level of your faith? If you want great faith, you got to learn how to forgive a lot. Yeah. So we got all this going on. Bitterness, jealousy, all these things are happening. And you have to be careful about what you entertain in certain seasons of your life because you just can't shake that off later on in life. I know people who have been bitter or offended five or ten years ago, and they're still bitter. They're still offended. And it became a prison. It's locked them in. It has arrested their development in God. There's no forward momentum. There's no forward progress. Hebrews 12, 15, this will be on the screen for you. It says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up. Make sure that no root of bitterness springs up and begins to cause you trouble and begins to defile you. And I felt that this morning when I was working on putting, just highlight my notes again. I felt this like jumped out at me because I've been working on this all week. And I felt like God said just drill down on that for a moment. Because if you're in here and you've been hurt, you've been wounded. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been just pushed to the side. You've got to be careful that that don't stay locked up on the inside of you. As much as it may hurt to let somebody go, as much as it may hurt to say, I forgive you, as much as it may hurt to walk away from it, if you don't do that, you're, you're going to be the one that suffers the consequences. Make sure that no root of bitterness. I'm convinced that people stay sick because of bitterness. I believe people don't move forward in the life of God because they're walking around with unforgiveness. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad that hurt me. Yeah, I, I may not know. I don't have to know. But he knows and he understands way more than whatever I could do. And you got to learn how to release it. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you stay arrested in your development and you never take the next step, things are going to start to get dysfunctional. <laughs> you know, like you've been in the seventh grade five times. It's going to get dysfunctional when you're driving up in your own car in the seventh grade with your license. <laughs> you can't even fit in a desk. I mean, that's going to look dysfunctional. When you stay too long at a certain level, things begin to get dysfunctional. And you begin to settle in that dysfunction. Then you start calling it normal. And whatever you call normal, you don't change because you don't question it. Well, it's just normal. That's what's going on. We say things like, well, it's just the way the world is. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the way the world is, but that's not the way the church is. 
How many know that God thinks a little bit different than the world thinks? So, 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 so my agenda is not to align with the cultural mindset. My agenda is to line up with God's mindset, the logos of God, the word of God, the logos, the word logic. My agenda is to line up with the logic of God. What does God say about it? How does God speak against it? Well, that's just the way it is in our family. Really? That, that, that may be the evidence of where it's taking place right now, but it can stop with you. Well, drugs have always ran in my family. Abuse has always been in my family. Alcoholism has always been. Cancer has always been. Really? Well, let's just stop it today. Amen. I'm going to clap for myself. I brought my own amens, and I'll throw them out there. It's impossible to function in a new day or new things that God is doing in your lives when you're tied to an old mentality. That's why the renewing of our mind should never be optional. It has to be paramount. Amen? The renewed mind is what God targets every day in our life. Because the renewed mind is the key to walking in step with God. He's constantly speaking to us. He's constantly leading us into different and various encounters. God's always moving us into greater experiences that will reposition our life to think more like Christ. That's why the renewing of the mind has to become paramount. I'm going to get to where I'm going. Y'all still hanging out with me? I'm going to preach this thing in a minute. Just let me keep building up on it. The renewed mind is what creates the context for faith to operate in. If there is no renewal of the mind, then faith becomes limited. Faith doesn't come from the mind. Faith comes from the heart. Romans 10.10, for with the heart man believes unto salvation or unto righteousness. You don't believe with your head. You believe with your heart. Watch it. So my faith then is not an intellectual matter. My faith is a heart matter. But the renewed mind creates the context for my faith to work in. It's like the banks of a river. The river is only as good as the banks that it's within. As long as the river has banks, you can use it for power. You can use it for purpose. When there's no banks, you have a flood. So, so a, re, a renewed mind creates the context. It creates the boundaries. Because when my mind is renewed, I think more like God on the subject than I do the culture. When my mind is renewed, now I have a context for my faith to be released into that dimension. That's why when you get bad news that you got a lump or you got, or you got cancer or you, or you got diabetes, when you get, when you get bad news you, with a renewed mind, you begin to frame the context of what your faith can attack. If not, you will die with the report that's been given to you. That's why he said you got to forgive. 
That's why, that's why you don't want no root of bitterness springing up on the inside of you. Because if you think that that is the end of the case, then you're always going to believe the diagnosis of the problem rather than knowing that you have enough something on the inside of you with the context my mind has been renewed because his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above my ways. So now I begin to think on a different level. I don't think like the world that I've been snatched out of. I begin to think from the logic of heaven. Now heaven becomes my game plan. Now the will of God becomes my game plan. And it doesn't mean that you don't get diagnosed. It doesn't mean that you don't have problems. It doesn't mean that you won't go through tough times. I'm just saying you don't stay stuck. You don't get arrested in your development. I'm I'm about to go somewhere. Because everything... The enemy wants to do in our lives is to disengage us from a renewed mind. The enemy wants people to think in ways, watch me now, I won't work it out. The enemy wants you to think in ways that even appear to be logical and reasonable. When actuality, it's hostility against God and his ways. Romans 8, 7 says, the mind set on the flesh is hostile against God. That word hostile means it's enmity. Old King James word, it's enmity. It's hatred. It's opposition against God. So without a renewed mind, your mind thinks opposite of the way God thinks. So if you don't get your mind renewed, whatever comes down the pike, You agree with it. And because you agree with it, you affirm it. And because you affirm it and you agree with it, now you empower it. If you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Right? All right. Oh, you doing all right? Tell somebody he's going to get up in a minute. Just tell him, say, he's going to get up in a minute. He's going to get up. So the unrenewed mind is not just a neutral thing. It's not like, well, I just had a bad day. No, the unrenewed mind opposes the will of God. The unrenewed mind is hostile against God. It's at war with God. Somebody asked me not not too long ago, well, how important is reading the Bible? It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. You cannot be an effective believer in this day without having scriptures in your heart. You ought to read the Bible as much as you do anything else in your life and put a set time to do it. See, I just lost all my amens. But if we we say, hey, we're going to believe God for a miracle, woohoo! everybody jumping on board. Let me tell you how to get a miracle. Find out what God says about it. This is what God is saying. So you got to have a renewing taking place because I'm I'm as human as anybody in here that I know of. (laughs) When Karen ain't around and I get to watch the news, I hear all the bad stuff. And how many many know about 10 minutes of that? You'll be on on suicide watch. Seriously, that's that's how depressing it is. And we got people that just sit around the clock watching. Then when you get in a conversation, well, you know what they said? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always want to say, well, you know what God's saying? 
I'm not taking away from the reality of the world that exists in our presence. I'm just taking away the reality of God's power moving in my present world. I'm just letting the enemy know that you may have this reality going on in my culture and in my day, but I want you to know I am fighting against everything that you're doing because everything you're doing is a lie. Everything that you're doing is deceptive. Everything that you're doing is very deceiving. But at the end of the day, we believe that truth will prevail. And when people know the truth, it's the truth that sets them free. Amen. So you got all this going, I got to hurry. My Lord, time is slipping, slipping, slipping away. When the devil comes against us, how many know he doesn't come as the devil? He comes and he makes himself known to us as something that we value. So he begins to parade his thoughts as virtuous thoughts so that we'll embrace them. He parades himself in a way where we think or feel that we're actually discerning something. Let me show you this scripture real quick. Y'all doing all right? Look with me in James. I won't have to turn there, I think. James, I think it'll make more sense if I read it. James chapter 3. Verse number 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Now watch this. Verse number 14. But if you have bitter jealousy... And selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant as so to lie against the truth. Now watch this. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, verse number 15, it's wisdom from the world. Jealousy, bitterness, enviness is wisdom. It's in your Bible. Woohoo. But this wisdom is not that which comes from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, and it's demonic. Did y'all see that? So if you got jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, all these things going on, earthly wisdom will say you have a right to be jealous. You have a right to be bitter. You have a right to walk in unforgiveness. You have a right to get even. And and James says, that's earthly wisdom. That's what the culture would do. That's how the culture responds. If you do that to me, I'll get you. I'll get you. I don't know. I ain't got time to fool all that. One of the biggest, well, let me finish reading. So, 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 So where, verse number 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Hmm. But the wisdom from above, somebody shout from above. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, and without hypocrisy. So there's a wisdom that the world operates from, and there's a wisdom that God operates from. You got the wisdom of the world, and you have the wisdom of heaven. Without an unrenewed mind, you operate according to the world. If your mind's not renewed, you think like the world. 
I'm losing all my amens in this really fast-paced Pentecostal church right here. So we just, we, we think carnal. We think earthly. That's why I said you got to get above that. Because there's a wisdom above that. But if not, you stay arrested in your development. When, 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 when these guys were thrown into prison, they were beaten for preaching the gospel. I mean, if anybody should have been jacked up and a little bit like sideways with the Lord, they should have been. Like, God, we're doing what you told us to do, and this is where it got us. But, but, but you can't harbor those kind of feelings because your mind has to go beyond that. Okay, okay, let me, let me get, I'm running out of time here. So one of the biggest works of the enemy in the body of Christ in the last few years is the spirit of offense. I watch people in here, they can't praise God because they're offended. <laughs> now, I'm used to it. People get offended at me all the time because I preach every week. So I'm used to it. No, whatever. If that ain't on me, that's on you. <laughs> Go get you an ice cream comb. You'll feel better. Because the wisdom of, of offenses, I've never met anybody who didn't feel like they had the right to be offended. You have to give up your right to be offended. And I'm convinced many people stay arrested in their development because they stay offended of what somebody did to them, what somebody said to them, how somebody used them, how somebody abused them, stole money from them, whatever. <laughs> it's a failing culture. It's a failing culture. You have to learn how to discern godliness in a failing culture and not get arrested in your development in Christ. And one of the best ways to make the devil like really mad is go to somebody who's hurt you or wounded you and just say, you know what, I love you. And I choose to forgive you. I feel it. Somebody just threw that one right back at me. I feel like I ain't doing it. You just keep that to yourself, preacher. I know it. But you stay arrested. You stay arrested in your development. And while you have a whole world that's waiting on your freedom. Come on, John. Come on, Peter. You can't just sit in that prison and be mad about the consequences of you doing what God's called you to do, which is living godly. You can't just sit around and worry about what everybody else is doing when you have a mission, you have an assignment, because you have to know that people are watching you. There are entire cities and regions that are waiting for your voice. They're waiting for your deliverance. They're waiting for your breakthrough. So if you're not careful, even in church, people just stay offended. And we just, you know, we just like... You know, there was a day, because I, 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 and we don't have to pick on it now because we're out of time, but remember when you used to really praise God? I mean, you're, and you're jumping all around there, like you're excited, and then something happens. Well, the problem is God didn't change, you did. So, so, so here's the deal. God don't need to move, you do. <laughs> here's the better deal. God don't even have to fix it for you to move. Because God may not fix it on the other end, but he can fix it on your end if you'll just begin to move in that direction. Come on, push on somebody and tell them you got to get up. 
All right, now watch this. Let me hurry right here because I know, my Lord, it is really 11.59. One minute. This will be on the screen. The proof of what kingdom you're living in is determined by how much you stay offended. I can tell what kingdom you're a part of by how much you stay offended over every little thing that happens in your life. I know what kingdom you're living in. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. Okay, I'm going I'm I'm to skip the good part. I'm going to go to the better part because I'm out of time. In our text, when they began to oppose these early disciples, these early believers, when they began to oppose them and threaten them, to shut them down and to keep them silent, they didn't comply with the voice of the ruling powers that were in play that day. They didn't comply. If you want to stay safe and if you want to stay defeated, just stay still and stay silent. That, that, that's all you have to do. Just stay still and stay silent. Martin Luther, Martin Luther, that great reformer of the 1500s, he, he said this. He said, though we be active in battle, if we're not fighting where the battle is the hottest, we are traitors to the cause. Come on now. If there's an enemy that's rubbing up against you, don't, don't eliminate your responsibility so that you stay arrested in your development. We've been thrown in. We've been commissioned to be silent. We've been commissioned to be still. But I got something on the inside of me that's greater than the cultural standpoints of this planet. This is what we're going to pray right here. This is what we're going to pray because we've got to go. They didn't compromise their testimony to become more appealing to the culture. Come on, Christians, we got to hear this. I'm not trying to win the culture in more likes on Facebook. I want the culture to see the truth of how God can transform my life without bowing my knee to the culture. And if I don't get another like on Facebook, if I don't get another hand wave or whatever, if it never happens again, it don't matter to me. What matters to me is that I'm free on the inside. And if I'm free on the inside, I can help somebody on the outside. So, 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 so they didn't compromise their testimony, become more appealing. And here's what they did. They, they began to ask for greater boldness. In other words, give us more of what we got that put us in prison. That's a rare prayer. That's a rare prayer. You're in prison. You're in prison because you're preaching the gospel, you're in prison because you're turning cities upside down. And, they, and they're, saying, they're, they're not saying, God, remove the government. They're not saying, God, remove the Pharisees. They're not saying, God, remove the religious orders. They're not saying, God, give us more money. <laughs> they're saying, God, give us more boldness. Give us more of the very thing that put us in prison. That's a rare prayer in today's society. And what the church needs to be asking for is that we need more boldness to live for him in a failing culture. You can't be afraid to call out crazy politicians. Can't be afraid to call out rogue government. Can't be afraid to call out Disney. Can't be afraid to call out the homosexual agenda. 
You can't be afraid to just cower in because, because the culture accepts it. It may make it right in the culture, but it's not right in the eyes of God. So you got to have people that walk to a different drumbeat. And it's not that we hate anybody. It's not that we reject anybody. We re- no, you know us. You know what? You know this house. We have taken people from all colors, all backgrounds. It don't matter how you came in here. Just get up in here because whatever is in you can be fixed. Whatever is on you can be cast out. Whatever is ruining your life can be overturned by the authority of the God that we serve. There is a name that's above every other name. There is a power that's above every other power. And his name is not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not enlightenment. It's not Harry Krishna. It's Jesus Christ, the one, the only, the one that died and rose again on the third day. So I don't have to be defeated. I don't have to walk around miserable and upset. I am free. Thank God I am free from the inside out. Come on, get on your feet and give God a praise one time. I got to quit. Come on, just give God a praise one time. Come on, just thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. They said, Lord, I'm amazed at their prayer. I'm amazed. They weren't saying, Lord, will you fix all the externals? They never prayed that prayer. They said, Lord, if anything, turn up the heat. Give us more boldness. Give us more of what got us in trouble with the culture. I don't want to rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Don't tip the boat over. I know. That's your theme song. You just want smooth sailing. Can I tell you, this ain't smooth. This ain't a cruise line, baby. This is a warship. This is a battleship. You'll get your cruise sailing when you get to heaven. Right now, it's all out. All hands on deck. Battle signs are ringing. <laughs> What's that Minion movie? The latest one, the Minions that came out. The, the Rise of Gru. The, 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 the commercial of it when the submarine's coming, he's going, Aruga! Aruga! I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the call the church needs to be making. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm because somebody's about to get up. Somebody is about to break free. Somebody is about to set somebody free. I'm sorry the way the Lord uses me sometimes. Because part of the mandate if I could just talk to us as a corporate house, part of the mandate and the anointing on this house is to help people get up. Get them up out of their lameness. Get them up out of their no forward progress. And that don't just happen on a Sunday morning. That happens when you go into Walmart. That happens when you go on your job. That happens when you get involved with four kids. You get families involved. You begin to help people. Because here comes Peter and John on their way to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, going to prayer time. That lame man had been lame since his mother's womb. He'd been laying there for 40 years. That ain't the first time Peter and John went to prayer. They had walked by him multiple times. 
But this time, something was on the inside of him. It says, I ain't going to be content to let you stay down. <laughs> so when they walked by him, y'all know the story, read it. The lame man looked at him, begging alms with the expectation to receive something. And Peter and John said, hey, silver and gold, and the King James Version, silver and gold, have we? we have none. But such as we have, we give it to you. How many know you can only, you can only convey what you possess? Such as we have, we give it to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And immediately when they grabbed his hands, his arms, the Bible says power shot down to his ankle bones. And what had been lame for 40 years jumped up with strength in his ankle bones. And he began to leap and he began to praise God. And you know what happened? The whole city broke out in a revival. The whole city had a movement of God. And even though the religious leaders that threw him in prison, they said, we don't even know how to handle y'all no more. Because we, we, if, we, if we took time to read the narrative, they would say, it said this in Acts 4, because a noteworthy miracle has taken place in this man's life, and we cannot deny it. Whew. That's what our culture needs. It needs undeniable power. It needs to see undeniable miracle working power that comes through the believers. If we read the narrative, it said the whole city, the whole region broke out. More people, more people got saved over that man's healing than what got saved on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. One chapter later, one miracle broke out in one man's life and 5,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. That's a city shaking revival. Because we got some power. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, I got some power. I got some power. I've got some power. There's power resident on the inside of me. So we can help people get up. Help people get up. You work with people on your job every day. Don't just take in their bad news. Put some good news on it. Help them get up. Help them get up. And I just believe today, I know we're closed. I know it's a few minutes late. But I believe today God wants to help people get up. I just believe that. How many would just be honest right there where you're saying, say, you know what, I've been going through a lot of struggle. It's not that you've lost your faith. It's not that you've done anything. It's just a struggle. Just throw your hands up. Say, boy, I need some extra right here. Come on, look at hands going up all over the building. Come on now, we're about to be a church right now. Hold your hand up high. Hold it up. Hold it. My hand's up too, but just hold your hand up. Now I want you to look around you. Somebody look around you. See somebody with a hand up? Just run over to them. Put your hands on them. Say, we're about to get up. Come on, just tell them we're about to get up. Come on, release power over their life. Come on, turn it into a prayer time right here. Come on, you're not going to stay down. You're not going to stay defeated. You're not going to stay beat up by the devil. Come on, we need some people praying. Come on, grab them by their hand and say, you're about to get up. Come on, you're about to get up. You're coming out of depression. You're coming out of misery. You're coming out of setbacks. You're coming out of divorce. You're coming out of bankruptcy. You're coming out of a failed marriage. Your children are coming out of being prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. In the name of Jesus. Come on, 30 seconds of prayer. Come on, 30 
seconds of play.